Okay, we are here on Spotify Green Room, uh, sending out some invites here. Already got a couple people interested. Hey, Ulysses, how's it going? Ulysses, I don't know if you can you hear me. I, I can't hear you for some reason. Uh, hey, Connor, how's it going? Good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, you a, a fan of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Tampa Bay Rays, or just a baseball fan in general? Uh, I'm actually a pretty big race fan. I live in Bowling Green, Kentucky, the high A affiliate of Tampa. So I get to see the guys before they make it there. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, have you gone to any games so far this year? Yeah, actually the most impressive player that I've seen is Greg Jones, but Nico Holsizer has hit like 16 home runs this year. Oh, wow. Uh, have you, have you gotten to see Jaden Murray pitch at all by any chance? Yes, he actually just lost his first game without giving up an earned run. So, yeah, we ha- we actually had him on the podcast a couple of days ago. Ulysses, I think I can hear you now. I, I heard a little bit of background. Oh, okay, That's awesome. Okay, so, um, yeah, you know what, Connor? I think you did reach out to us on Twitter not too long ago that you you lived in Bowling Green and so forth. So now that's starting to to pique my memory a little bit. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, have you gotten to, to watch a lot of Rays games so far this season? Do you kind of, you know, sort of go to the, the Bowling Green games and then watch the, the Rays games on TV and so forth? Yeah, I have uh, the MLB League Pass, so I try and catch all the games. It's cool to watch the guys that, you know, you became friends with make it up. Like, I actually still, like, text and talk to Shane Boz and Joe Ryan. And the other big one is Matthew Liebertor, but he's kind of a cardinal now. Right, right. Well, you know, it's kind of newsworthy, Connor, with uh, Shane Boz and and Joe Ryan that they've been picked for the Olympic team and they're making strides now. I think, uh, well, I know Boz is in AAA. I I can't remember if Joe Ryan's in AA or AAA, but either of those guys you think has the the best chance to have a uh, long-term or most successful big league career there? Uh, I would say that Boz probably has the chance to have the highest upside, but Ryan has the bigger floor. Uh, Ryan's probably projects more as like a Fleming back into the rotation guy, and Boz has the better stuff. But as much as I really like him and he's been pitching well, I probably he probably projects more as like a closer, or late inning reliever. That's awesome. You hear that, Ulysses? Wow. I mean, it's really nice to hear about all this pitching factory uh, that the Rays uh, keep producing. It's pretty great. Uh, yeah, and like you said, the the pre-Olympics, uh, it's it's awesome. I'm really happy that Shane Boz and, and Joe Ryan are going to get that opportunity because, uh, you know, I, I think that's a big deal to, to represent your country. And uh, I, I just feel like that's a good thing for a AAA player that – is not quite ready to make their MLB debut. I think this is fantastic. The camaraderie and and there are some veteran names in that um, Olympic team. Uh, I know that Scott Casimir, Edwin Jackson are going to be there. Look, Edwin Jackson might not have the the flashy numbers, but guess what? He's been in the league for almost 15 years. So if you're in the league for 15 years, you definitely know how to be a big leaguer. And Scott Casimir, same thing. So I think that would that'll be really a great experience for these two young guys to kind of be in that same clubhouse with them yeah great learning experience for sure with that by the way Ulysses you mentioned uh Edwin Jackson playing for some 15 years he's probably played for some 15 teams as well I think he's played (laughs) uh he's up there as far as uh one of the players that's played for the most uh teams in in all of baseball and I know there's been you know uh I did an interview yesterday and I was asked about um 
Boz and Ryan being chosen for the Olympic team and getting the opportunity. And, and at first I was like, you know, well, what about the injury risk and so forth? But, but now, you know, the more I think about it, it's like, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and they're only going to pitch a couple of times. And, and just that being able to be in that environment and, and learn from some of those veteran players, like, and, and they really want to do it. If, if it's something that they really pleaded to the Rays organization that, Hey, um, you know, we may not get this opportunity again. We, we get a chance to represent our country and, and get, and what the Olympics hasn't been. I mean, baseball hasn't been an Olympic sport since 2008. So who really knows if, if, you know, what, what comes out of all, all that. So I, I'm really, you know, kind of excited that they're getting that opportunity and, and getting on the big stage a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, look, it's not like, I, I don't think Mike Schoester is going to roll Boz and Ryan and have them throw 150 pitches or anything. I'm sure no, gonna- no, not at all. And honestly, if, if, if say they get hurt, one, a player gets hurt, then they're going to still, they would have gotten hurt in triple A too. Like, I mean, you, you got to play it like that. And uh, honestly, I, I think it would be better for them to get hurt, you know, representing the, the red, white, and blue than, you know, a, a Bulls team that, okay, the biggest thing is what? They, they, they win their conference? Like, I just I, – I, I, that for me, in my opinion, has – there's no no comparison, you know. I mean, what what uh, where do you want to get injured? I mean, in Durham or, or representing the U.S.? Uh, that, that for me is just such a, 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 an easy answer. Right, for sure. Uh, hey, Connor, I want to ask you this. So um, were you always a Rays fan, or did you become a Rays fan based on that Bowling Green was the affiliate for the Rays, and it was sort of a natural transition there? Curious about that. I kind of grew up a Reds fan because they're the closest team around here. But, I mean, kind of around my formative years, which was like 2009, I was like 11 or 12, um, the Rays moved to town, and they've been a Rays affiliate since then. So you just you become attached to the players that you know come up and make it, like Matt Moore and Kevin Kiermaier were some of the first big names, and like Tim Tim Beckham. So you get to see the guys that were there in the beginning, just make it up to the big leagues and make their mark. So it's easier to latch on to players more than a team, and then because those players are affiliated with that team, you kind of become engulfed in the the front office because. Lots of front office people come and sit in the stands, and you get to talk to them. Like Kyle Bloom used to come a lot, and all the like big names they have to start out somewhere. So they travel and go to the minor league operations, and you get to see what they're thinking and what goes on behind the scenes. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. And and he, and, and Connor kind of speaks to you to your uh, child uh, childhood heart too as as a Reds fan, Kevin. Yeah, I grew up uh, in the Louisville area, so it was sort of it, it's sort of that minor league baseball natural transition there, where we went to a lot of um, Louisville Bats games, and of course they're the AAA affiliate of the Reds, so it just sort of made sense that you would root for the Reds or somebody would root for the team. Like if you if you lived in Durham, for example, it, it makes sense, or you live in Montgomery, it makes sense that you would root for the Rays from that standpoint. So uh, Ulysses, I think it just goes to show the importance of having uh, minor league affiliates and not uh, contracting the minor leagues as uh, MB has so uh, chosen to do so far. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you know, it, it would be kind of cool, you know, to, to be able to see these guys that you're going to root for in three to four years and, and kind of get them, you know, at 19, 20 years old and see what, how they can handle that, you know, a level ball pressure, that's really cool. I actually, I've, I've never actually been to a minor league game, like a minor league game. I've never wow. been to, I've been to minor league stadiums, obviously for spring training, but 
minor league baseball, uh, I've never actually done that. It's more of like an event than more just a baseball game because there's like on-field entertainment, there's more fan interaction, and the players are way more approachable. So it's 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 a much different experience than big league baseball where the level of competition is a lot higher, but the individual experience may be a little more uh, obtainable at a minor league baseball game. So Connor, that sounds what amazing. <laughs> Honestly, Ulysses, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but if if you get an opportunity, I mean, yes, it is the uh, Steinbrenner Field, it is the the single A affiliate of the Yankees, but maybe just hop over there for a game or hop over to you know any of the the Florida State League uh, action that's going on. I mean, it's it's definitely worth uh, you know worth going to and checking out environment. I've been to. Uh, the double A and triple A, uh, triple or, you know, it, they're all, yeah, they're all enjoyable. They're all experience. And, uh, Connor, it's kind of funny because so, you know, being in Bowling Green, like how, what's the, what's the attendance like there? And what's the, like, how, how much do people care in the area about their, cause it is single A baseball or is it just something that, Oh, you know, um, uh, do you have some like diehards that go to every game or it's just kind of more of a out there and some people choose to go every once in a while. I I just didn't know how big of a part of the community uh, that single A team is there. Well, it's a pretty big part of the community because uh, they have concerts and events at the ballpark all the time. And the baseball team has actually been pretty good because in 2018, they won the championship. And in 2019, you had a stacked team with like uh, Wander Franco and Shane McClanahan and Shane Boz and Matthew Liebertor and, Ford Proctor. Uh, so attendance is kind of hit or miss. It depends. It's especially hard this year with them being in town for like a week at a time. Mm-hmm. Big nights are always, you know, fireworks or if there's a kid's night. But there's usually really good attendance. And there are diehards. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Like we've been season tick holders since 2009. My dad like goes around minor league parks and gets has gotten autographs since the 70s. And he tries to get everyone that comes through and any scout. So we have just about every autograph of anybody who's been through Bowling Green. That's very cool. That's, very That's cool. awesome. Do you, have a, do you have a favorite player of all time uh, in, in the Hot Rods uniform? Hot Rods? Uh, so the most personable was Kevin Kiermaier. He was always great when he came through. Uh, Derek Dietrich was an awesome Hot Rod. He came through. Uh, the Rays traded him. Same with Jesus Sanchez, who got traded. He's a Marlin now. Mm-hmm. But I got to really know Boz and Libertor well in 2019 because we're around the same age. And uh, I, like, talk to them and hang out with them outside of the park and, like, go over to their apartments and stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Any insight on, you know, their, their personality, what makes them tick, anything like that? Boz is a huge competitor. He's from Texas. Uh he really likes cars. Uh, he's into tattoos and stuff. He's He likes baseball a lot, and it's like his passion, but he, he would rather talk to you about something else. And uh, Libertor, he is very quiet, like even keel, uh, just a, a really good guy. Joe Ryan is kind of the weird one. He's an oddball. He show up in the same hat and like winter jacket in the middle of summer. <laughs> and just kind of sit there and wouldn't really say a word to anybody just in his own little world, like country boy. And uh, McClanahan, he was uh, he was interesting. He's a talker, 
loudest guy sitting in the stands because the minor league players, like the pitchers who aren't playing, sit in the stands and chart the game. Mm. So really, like, yes, like so the pitchers of the team. Well, not this year with COVID. So say Boz was pitching, like Joe Ryan, Libertor, and McClanahan would all be sitting in the stands taking the stats. No, that okay. I'm I'm a fan. That is really cool. I love that. And you know what? We kind of got to experience that minor league feel, at least in my opinion, as an outsider perspective who's never been into a minor league game. Um, last year it, it, with with COVID, you know, you got to see guys kind of hanging out in the in the stands as fans. You know, I remember a, a really cool picture of Diego Castillo just like. Uh, putting his hands up in the left field stands just with his feet up and 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 and, and the left uh, f- uh field bleachers it was so cool and, and glass now and all of them just kind of hanging out in the stands i, I thought that was great last year yeah it's uh it's interesting because you get to see them in street clothes like you know eating a hot dog drinking a soda like awing over stuff that wander was doing in the field just like this guy doesn't make sense <laughs> and then McClanahan would always like joke with Wander, you know, saying, I'm going to make it before you because he was like, I can throw a hundred. All you can do is hit. <laughs> wow. That's pretty cool. That's so, really I, cool. Look, I'm really curious about this. Like, how do you get embedded in friendships with these players? I guess it's just one of those things where you talk to them after the game and then you kind of build a report or you, or you see them, you know, at a, at a local restaurant or something like that. Or I, I didn't know if you had sort of some connection to the team. Just how, how did all that work? So my dad is uh, actually the team dentist and pretty good friends with the GM of the, mm. the team down here. But it's more with the pitchers. You know, they pitch a day and then one day they're in the dugout, like their rest day. And then the next three or four days, depending on how many are in the rotation, they're sitting in the stands and our season tickets are right behind whole plate where they are. So you get to talk with them every night. And, like, we give them baseball cards uh, that they're on that they don't have and have them sign stuff. Uh, we just, like, like to collect it and try and have all the autographs. Uh, so, like, anybody who's been through, we get them on cards. And if there's one that they really like, we'll give it to them. And they just – you start – we don't talk to them just about baseball. Like, we like to get to know these guys as people. Because, yes, they're baseball players, but, like, they came from somewhere and have hobbies outside of the sport. Yes, yes, and I, I think you've tapped into something uh, because all of all that they hear all day is is baseball, right? I mean that that's that, like you said about Boz, like that that's all there is. But if they kind of want to talk with somebody else that's not in the sport, it would probably be about like you said, cars and and maybe other sports, perhaps or, or other hobbies. Maybe one of them plays an, an instrument, and then they want to get to know new bands or, or new songs to to, to learn. Uh, that's or languages. They might be in, in, into languages and, and, and travel. So. I think that's a really cool thing and, and, and good for you for having that opportunity and, and kind of building rapport with these guys because I, I, I think that that gets lost when you're a big leaguer, right? You can't get that close to fans anymore. Uh, you, 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 there's, there's a little bit more of a, of a space between fandom and, and, and being a professional. And, and so that's cool that you're getting that experience for so long um, with, with these guys. Yeah, it's kind of the level where they're the most approachable, especially in 2019 and before we were low A. Now we're high right. A. So low A was kind of like the first stop for the college pick, the college draft picks, or like the second or third year of the high school guys. It's the first, it was the first full season, not a shortened season. So you kind of got to be around these guys as they like got to go through their first tough, long season dealing with being tired and everything. You get to hear 
the guys that have been there all year talk about their arms. They weren't used to throwing, you know, more than a hundred innings in a season. And so right. you get a, you get to meet them as a person and a baseball player, seeing what it's like to be a professional for the first time through a long season. Uh, that's all really interesting stuff right there. And it's funny. You mentioned Joe Ryan is kind of being sort of uh, beats to his own drum type. I remember Ulysses, I read an article on him. Like he's from, Martin County, California, and his dad was like a real big ultra marathon runner, outdoorsman. And I think that like he growing up either didn't have like cable or didn't play video games. Like I could see where <laughs> for him to, you know, vibe with the the modern day player. And he grew up playing polo and then transitioned to baseball. So not your, I guess, direct path to the the prototypical baseball player uh, with that. So um, Connor also, you know, with, we know that the minor leagues are, are huge for promotions and so forth. And I think uh, Ulysses, we asked Jaden Murray about this, but uh, is there like one promotion night or one event that like really stands out in Bowling Green? Like, man, this is really cool that they do this or that they gave away this, or they have this going on. I think uh, Jaden mentioned something about like bootleg Thursdays, but I didn't yes. know. Uh, so uh. Yeah. Every Thursday, we are the Bowling Green bootleggers. So we become sponsored by a distillery, and we wear jerseys that look like barrels, and we give away – there's like $2 Mooneritas and $1 White Claws. And we're, <laughs> That's we're awesome. College, yeah, we're a college town. So like we have a Division One college uh, called Western Kentucky University that's like the mainstay of our town. So a lot of the – a lot of the attendees would be, you know, college students. So if you can get them in for, you know, cheap drinks, that's always good. And they usually do, you know, giveaways for the jerseys. Like last night here was superhero night. So they wore these, uh, like Batman jerseys and, uh, they do a Jersey auction and auction them away. So every year, especially here, they try and do at least one like promotional day, a series. And every Thursday they're the bootleggers. That's wow. fantastic. I love that. Uh, I want to ask you about the, the ballpark, the ballpark itself. I obviously, as a race fan, we, we all hear the, the negatives with, with the trop and obviously the location and it's an, uh, eyesore, you know, the catwalks all yada, yada, yada. Um, what about the Bowling Green, uh, ballpark? Is it cozy? Is it, it, it does it have a, a short porch? Can you tell me about the ballpark itself? It is a uh, very nice and open, it has a full concourse. You can walk all the way around in a, a huge batter's eye. Uh, so when they were originally building the park, it was supposed to be like 320 to both uh, alleys. I mean, not both alleys, like both poles. But they couldn't fit the bullpen in right field. So it says it's 320, but it's really like 290. So it's like playing, playing in a high school field. So there are tons of bombs hit, and there's like berms and porches that are people are always sitting in the outfield so people love coming here to hit but the closest team is usually like five hours away so we are like the dreaded travel park okay okay i'm, I'm looking up pictures right now yeah it must be a, so this is actually this actually speaks higher to what jayton murray is doing this season because with that right porch uh, being so close, you, you, I mean, left-handed power has it pretty easy. It's kind of a, like being in Yankee stadium. It's right there. Yeah. The wind's always blowing out too. So look at that. That's great. That's wow. awesome. So, um, you know, with, with Bowling Green and first off, Connor, I, did you go to Western Kentucky? Yes. Yes, I did. Oh, 
Did you happen to cross paths with uh, Mike White when he was the quarterback there? Uh, yeah, actually, I had a class with him. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it's funny because uh, you, you talked about knowing um, you know some of the baseball players on the hot rods, but uh, my my roommate in college was actually like best friends with Mike White, so he would come over on occasion and just hang out. And it's so funny to see because he started out at the University of South Florida and then transferred to Western Kentucky, and then. I believe he got drafted in the later rounds and then started with the Cowboys and everything like that. But, um, no, it's, it, that, that's pretty cool from that perspective. And growing up, I grew up in Southern Indiana. So there were actually quite a few, uh, kids that I went to school with that, you know, they, they kind of dispersed out there to Western Kentucky as well. So I'm, I'm pretty familiar, not super familiar with that area, but I've, you know, driven through there a couple of times with that. But, um, you know, as far as the team goes this year, you mentioned a couple of the names like Nico Holsizer and uh, Greg Jones. We've talked about Jaden Murray. Uh, is, is there one guy on the roster that, you know, hasn't been talked about a lot that you think, man, this guy really could be good or, or you know, the some, you know, fan graphs and, and MILB, like all these, these, these prospect outlets need to be like focusing on this guy because he really could kind of be a, a diamond in the rough type or maybe it is a nico Holsizer who you know hasn't gotten a ton of play but um i didn't know if there's anybody on the roster that you think you know not getting a lot of buzz right now but in time can really do something special um so he just got called up to double a but he was here in 2019 too and his name's ruben cardenas he is a, a right fielder. He is he just hits to all fields and he's really consistent. He's never going to wow you with anything he does, but he's also never going to make some boneheaded play. He's just really consistent. And then we kind of get to see you know a little bit of the Blake Snell trade here because our everyday catcher is Blake Hunt, mm-hmm. and he's been playing really well. Though he did just get trucked at home plate two nights ago and he hasn't played. Uh, Ooh, but. Uh, John Doxakis just got called up, and he has looked really well, too. Well, there's nothing better than hearing Blake Hunt uh, is doing well because the catching position has always been a nightmare. This year, somehow, the the tandem has really worked. Um, Obviously, a little bit of a lull right now with Mejia and Zanino both kind of hitting a little bit of a slump. But uh, overall, this year has been incredible for the catching tandem for the race. So if we get Blake Hunt to be uh you know up and coming and i i don't know i just ford proctor is in the is in the talks too he's in double a right now so i mean the catching position might actually be a little bit more stable than in years past it's and that's actually really thrilling as a race fan it's interesting uh coming from my perspective because the hot rods almost every year have like six or seven all-stars just because the rays are always so loaded but every single year they have a catching all-star and they like huh. almost never make it. Like wow. Ronaldo Hernandez won MVP, right. and uh, just mm-hmm. uh, they always end up making the All Star team. But it's like they fizzle out in Double A, or the Rays kind of give up on them. And they end up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it probably just speaks to how difficult it is to be a catcher and to make it all the way to the big leagues and be productive on in both facets. And we know how the Rays really put a premium defensively. It's funny, Ulysses. We talk about it and. We've kind of been joking, not really joking. I mean, there is some, you know, half seriousness there with Mike Zanino and his all-star candidacy, but it's crazy to think that the Rays are only paying this guy $2 million and what he's done so far this year. I mean, that it's pretty unbelievable. He took like a 50% pay cut 
And he's still, it's just so funny and and so great how the Rays, you know, work out and and kind of, uh, I don't want to say manipulate, but, you know, getting bang for the buck. I mean, look at Shane Boz, for example. Uh, They they have the Pirates give this dude a $4 million signing bonus, and then they, they trade for him a year later. And I assume don't have to pay any of that bonus whatsoever. They're just paying him whatever the wage is in the minor league. So well, finally it happened though, right, Kevin? I mean, uh, the, the Mike Zunino trade in the beginning for the 2019 season, you thought that you were getting this guy and you didn't for the first two seasons. Zunino underperformed heavily. And now in 2021, you're actually seeing him be the catcher that you thought he was going to be efficient behind the dish, but also with the power. Yeah, he's going to strike out. Yeah, he might just hit around the Mendoza line or, or below it. But I mean, the power was just never there. And now the power is. And, and the OPS, I think you said this on Wednesday or Thursday show. I forget. But you said his OPS was a 250. I know. Sorry, uh, 850. That's 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 exactly what you expected from from a power hitting catcher. So that, I, finally, yes, for 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 uh, two million dollars or two point five, I don't remember. Um, that's that's pretty good value. And if you're Zunino, I mean, obviously, I think you, they have the option on Zunino for 2022. Which, yeah. honestly, if the, if if in AAA nobody's really kicking down the door, the tandem stays. Oh, yeah, 100% with that. And I'm sure Chase is pretty happy about that, considering Mike Zanino is a Florida boy, Florida Gator, and so forth. With of that. course he is. Connor, I want to throw this out to you. Um, you know, there's been so much talk about uh, minor league salaries and what guys are or aren't getting paid. Uh, is that something you've noticed in, in hanging around some of those guys? I, I guess maybe, you know, some of the guys you've you've talked to maybe got some of the larger signing bonuses and didn't have issues with the, you know, working paycheck to paycheck and trying to find a host family or, you know, in some cases, minor leaguers sleep in their cars and, you know, have trouble finding like a good meal to eat. Is that something you've ever kind of experienced or seen or, or talked about with some of these guys? Over uh, the yeah, it's actually kind of prevalent, especially at the lower leagues, because, you know, the guys that don't move around very quickly, they've kind of, you know, gone step by step especially the, like the late round draft picks who like may be signed for $5,000. It money does become an issue. Now I know here there's not necessarily host families, but they're provided apartments. Okay. There's like, they like put them in these college apartments that are set up. So they're kind of sweet style. So like you have your own bathroom and living room, but like a shared common area with a kitchen that sleeps for. Um, okay. But, okay. So it's, it's pretty prevalent. You can see it around the Latin players because a lot of the Latin guys have been in the minors since they were like 16 or 17. And you have the guys with the huge signing bonuses like Wander Franco or Lucius Fox, for example, had huge signing bonuses and they kind of take care of the rest of the Latin guys, like, you know, pay for their food and they're the only one with a car. And it's, it's kind of tight knit. And also at this level, a lot of them really are still learning English if they know it at all. And then with like the, uh, American guys, it's, it's hard, especially like a fourth year senior will never sign for as much as like a junior out of the draft because there's just more leverage. Cause it's not like they can go back. So there's a guy that was on the hot rods in 2019. His name was Alan strong. And I know that he, was kind of struggling for money at the end and Shane 
was kind of keeping him afloat because he he had a big signing bonus and his dad owns like a whole bunch of stuff down in Texas and like money is not an issue for his family. So he was kind of keeping the pitching staff afloat at the end of the season when money runs dry because this was before the contraction of the minor leagues. And if you look at it as an hourly rate, they make essentially like a dollar an hour. Jeez. I mean, you know, I, I, lo- I love and hate hearing this, Connor. I, 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 I love it because that, that just, that speaks to how these guys care for each other and that if they, they go far, both of them or, or the, you know, the team it, itself, they, they can remember those good times and be like, hey, man, like, remember three years ago when we were struggling to, to, to pay for groceries and, and you kept us afloat, man, I'll, I'll have dinner today. Uh, dinner's on me in, in New York City. You know, that, that would be pretty cool. I love that. But I hate it, man. There's yeah. no way that this, this it should ever happen to these professionals. I mean, that, that's, un, that's, that's not right. Ulysses, it shouldn't have to come down to a minor league player, a 20, 21 year old to yeah. try to float some of his other teammates. It's great that they're doing that, but right. uh, this is a corporation. This is a billion dollar yeah. uh, organization. When you add in the raise, um, you know, you should, and you would think it would only benefit them and other teams if they took advantage and were like, okay, we're really going to place a high emphasis on solid housing, really good nutrition, making sure, you know, guys don't have to sleep on a couch or sleep in their car if it comes down to that. You would think that the off the field stuff would, you know, to get that little extra margin of performance and development from some of these guys. Like I've heard stories of, you know, pitchers even in double A where they're sleeping on a buddy's couch and then the next morning they have to get ready for a start. Like that Unreal. It, it shouldn't have to come down to that and i wonder you know it it, connor you kind of hit on this the guys that are coming out of college that you know are undrafted or late round picks and they get a one thousand two thousand dollar signing bonus like a mike brasso for example like the the only way that i would think he survives is if his family's in good shape and that's almost in a way unfair that uh like oh the only way you're gonna make it or to really have a chance to kind of grind and, and keep afloat through the minor leagues is if you have a well-to-do family that's willing to take care of you and willing to pick you up or if you have a couple really generous teammates because i don't know how mike brasso on a, a one thousand dollar signing bonus let alone being an an undrafted guy so he's already behind the eight ball or, or like a guy like Jaden murray he probably got what like two three thousand bucks as a 20 well, I mean, pick so kevin this, this year it's a lot better and the okay. minors, I will say specifically, because um, with the COVID thing, you're not really allowed to interact with the players as much. I mean, they still sign. They can come over, but, like, there's no, like, uh, fan interaction that's, like, provided by the team. Mm-hmm. But I know that in 2019, there was, like, you know, they provided dinner or lunch after the game. But I know they're providing every meal this year if they so desire it and, uh there's like an allocated weight room and all kinds of stuff that they've done to like re up the facilities here. So it's better than it was, but seeing it from 2009 until 2019, where these guys like Brasso who spent a year here. So I know that he had to deal with it. So they're, they get one meal a day that's provided. And then they have like what they make a dollar an hour and they have to try and get two meals out of that. Yeah, yeah, that, that that that's unreal. And also, you talk about the nutrition that a a, a damn baseball player has a twenty twenty one year old. I mean, you you can't just be it, it, eating ninety nine cent McChicken. Uh, yeah. that, that's that's not what your body needs. It's 
it, it's a shame. It really is. But, but hopefully, like you said, you, you're saying you see some improvement. Hopefully that that goes a long way. But uh, I think there's a lot to be done still. Let, let alone a lot of the guys that come from college programs and or later round draft picks. It's not like they were coming from full scholarships because, you know, NCAA right. allocates so many scholarships to baseball. And those are divided up and divvied out so who even knows if you know mike brasso if his entire education was paid for not to just you know call him out but a guy like in that scenario or what what, kevin what's a thousand dollars i mean i don't know the rent in kentucky but i'm if (laughs) if it's like i mean a thousand dollars might be rent and groceries for a month maybe two months if if you're savvy enough it's really not that much yeah and i guess the other argument too is um you know they don't they, they can pick another career. Mike Brasso could do whatever he, you know, graduated in and, and not choose to play baseball. But again, it's, it's sort of, I think, you know, as more awareness and as we see, because we've seen, I mean, I don't know if anybody watched uh, Firefest here, but like some of the pictures of the meals at Firefest were, you know, kind of equivalent to some of the minor league meals that have been kind of promoted or, or criticized on social media. So there is sort of, we, we do see a growing movement uh, and more, um, I guess, activism towards uh, minor leaguers getting treated more, more fairly and, and so forth with that, which is a good thing going forward. Uh, by the way, Connor, do, do a lot of these guys end up getting part-time jobs in the off season or do they drive Uber or, you know, or what, what's kind of the deal? Like once the baseball season is over, how do they, they go about, you know, making a living and just kind of keeping their, their time occupied. I know a few of them will usually go back home and work on baseball. And I, I haven't heard anybody working a part-time job, but uh, some of my funnier baseball stories are about the guys who have quit baseball to pursue other professions. Like there was a all-star catcher, and uh, I forgot when, but he he went to WKU and then he came. He was a hot rod and he was an all star and he quit and now he's a lawyer. Wow! <laughs> wow! There was there was a catcher who played for the Nashville Sounds in like the early two thousands whose name was Angel Salome and he'd been an all star in AAA for like two years. And he looked right at the management and said, "You're either going to call me up or I'm going to quit." And so he quit and he is a male stripper in Las Vegas now. <laughs> no way wow do you have a third story do you have a third strike here I, I can you top that yeah my goodness uh, that, that's probably the best one about people quitting but if i could sometime get my dad he's been around baseball and it's like friends with friends with magli ordonez and yadier molina and people like that so he could probably get some better stories out of them Oh my goodness, that is too much, man. man. Connor, you are just a treasure trove of uh, of good baseball content. Uh, uh, so, so, so I'm so thankful that that you dialed in today. Thank you. It's, I mean, I've been around baseball a lot because before the hot rods were a thing, my dad traveled around and would get autographs. It's like his thing. He gets minor league autographs. Uh, he has over like. 400,000 signed cards and items. Wow. That uh, is he, impressive. He's like, he doesn't sell anything. That's just like, that's his thing. Like that's his addiction. He, he likes to get things signed and complete sets. So he tries to get all the different colors. So he's been around baseball enough to get some hilarious stories. Just when you're around it for 40 years, like every day, there's just bound for crazy stuff to happen. Yes. Yes, yes like, agreed. When you're he, dealing with uh, people and it doesn't matter what industry, there's always crazy things that happen. Yeah. Go ahead, Connor. Sorry. Uh, he he always tells this story about, I don't know if you all remember Pokey Reese. 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Back, he played for the Reds. I mean, he, I, I watched him in AAA actually in Louisville. I think. <laughs> Look okay. at that. He is a not nice human being. Is the best way that I can put that. Ooh. Mm. Um, after a game in AAA, he uh, was playing for the the Pirates AAA team, I think, at the time. And my dad asked him for an autograph. And he like he cussed my dad and his mom out for like thirty minutes for asking for an autograph and got on the bus. Oh and my goodness! The manager got off the bus and uh, asked if you know he was the one that like Pokey was cussing out. And like my dad said some words back to him, but he goes, "Yeah." And then my dad was like, "Well, I guess I better go home because no one else is going to stop for me." And then the whole team got off the bus and signed everything he had because they all hated him so much. Oh, I love that. Wow. They, oh, Pokey Reese, they would do that. Wow. That is, that's crazy. That, that That's the thing too. Like, and it goes back to it, Ulysses, the, the clubhouse and the, the chemistry guys liking each other because you have one sort of sour apple and that can kind of upset the whole apple cart as far as that's concerned. A hundred percent. want to be around this dude, even on a yeah. bus trip. And, and that that toxicity, I mean, you, obviously we can talk about it in baseball, but it happens in life. I mean, it happens in your own workspace, right? I mean, if you have a a, a, a coworker that's just not about it, it just makes work a little bit less enjoyable. And and that's work for those guys, right? You know, pitching, baseball, defense. That's all. That's their job. That's that's going to work. And so when they go to work and and and, and they're lucky enough to to play a, a kids game. Uh, and then there's somebody so toxic. Yeah, that just that that ruins that team chemistry. But uh, damn, that that's a really good story. And and it happens. You see it when you're around baseball for so long, and and and, and you ask for autographs and stuff like that. You you do see the guys that know it in the the position that they're in, and that they've they're they're self aware. And then there are others that uh, that gets to their head a little bit, and it's a shame because sometimes it's the really good ones who it gets to their head but when it's a guy who's just less than replacement level in the major leagues and they're pulling off that kind of stunt you're kind of like wow really you 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 have this much ego it's it's a shame yeah i think i enjoyed watching pokey race i love the athleticism components uh component in his glove at uh at second base uh growing up but you know now now knowing his uh behind the scenes behavior maybe Maybe I'll have to rethink that a little bit. Uh, by the way, Connor, have you been? Have you gotten a chance to go to a game at Tropicana Field or or travel to St. Petersburg yet or anything? Uh, I haven't. We were actually. I'm going on a vacation to Florida in August, so we were going the week of like the seventh through the fourteenth. And I looked, and the Rays are away the whole week. So instead of going to like St. Petersburg, we were going to go to like Panama City Beach or something. Gotcha. I got. But, I would I would love to go, and I know that Boz has said that he will like leave me tickets if uh, when he makes his debut. So that's nice. But you were talking about you know the camaraderie amongst teammates. That's the one thing that I would like to point out. Wander has all the skills in the world, and obviously is like going to be a great major league player. But being around him every day and getting to see how much he like made everybody else enjoy their day or have a good time or how nice he was to the coaching staff or just the staff in general that work in the ballpark. He was the most accessible player on the team as the most desired one at the same time. You, you would have lines of like a hundred people asking for an autograph 
and Wander would stop and make sure to get every single person. That's awesome. That's great to hear. And that's kind of like what I'm talking about, right? Like not getting to the hair. And how could it not get into the head of a 19-year-old? Or I think when you met him, he was probably like 18, 17 years old. And, he was 18, uh, just got braces. Exactly. Yeah. Still has them too. <laughs> and it doesn't get to the to his head. That's that's commendable, man. And uh, we've talked about this um, time and time again. Uh, you know, some 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 players are accessible, and and and, and some um, some are not. Some are not. And, and it's a shame when it's a guy that again, like I said, it's uh, replacement level or below. Like that, the, the stardom isn't there, so you don't really justify the, the ego being so inflated. But it it happens. Just uh, Ulysses, are you calling out Daniel Robertson right now, perchance? One hundred percent. Kind of similar to your story, um, Connor. My mom was asking for for his autograph. We 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 got uh, Yoshi Sutsugo. He was very very nice. Uh, Vidal Bruhan, uh, obviously very very nice as well. And we got to talk to him a little bit in Spanish. And then when Daniel Robertson came in, uh, he just looked at my mom and he's like, "No," and he just walked away. Like with with the with the, with the, with the pen and paper, and it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it was a shame. It was a shame. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. We have many people that we feel that way about that have came through. One, so our two most infamous people that we just can't like as baseball players because of how they acted when they came through Bowling Green were a Steven Souza Jr. was huh. the just wouldn't act like anybody was alive. So the crowd chanted, but Sousa Lusa at him. <laughs> no way. Wow. And then the biggest one that would cuss out any fan that asked him for an autograph and like his coaches hated him was Clint Frazier came through as the Indians. Huh? I can see that. I can I, see that. He was, he was a, a piece of work. Man, oh man, yeah, you you get those guys every now and again uh, with that. By the way, uh, one last thing, uh, Connor, we we kind of mentioned his name real briefly, but want to kind of get your scouting report and take on him. You know, there's been so much talk about Wander Franco and what he is doing and and has done, but Vidal Bruhan is kind of the consensus number two prospect, and I assume and believe that he had at one point passed through. Bowling Green. Any kind of assessment on his game and what he brings to the table? He was here in 2018 when we won the championship. He uh, he is a very exciting player, very electric. Now, when he came through, he had not tapped to any of the power that he has now. So mm-hmm. he was kind of a slap his way on to first and he'd steal his way to third. Um, but he has very quick hands, very consistent and he really only played second when he came through with us because he had Taylor Walls at short um, and in the outfield was like Josh Lowe. So there wasn't as much room for him to move around. Right. And they it was just a very consistent lineup that got to knock him in a lot because Ooh, he's a down. nice guy and he would... Who will send down? What was, I, uh, who, who was sent down? Is that what you said, Chase? I, I don't know what he said. Connor, go ahead and continue. I'm we'll sorry. Send down. Yes. Um, I think he was saying who was sent down. I'm not sure. Um, I'll, I'll look that up. Uh, yeah. Chase. Hold on. Okay. Go ahead, Connor. You were saying? He he was just always on base and always a pest, so he made it easier for everyone else to hit because 
the pitchers were essentially more worried about him on base than the guy that was batting. And when you had guys like Taylor Walls and Josh Lowe and Ronaldo Hernandez leading the league in like RBIs and runs and batting average, respectively, it was he kind of got lost in the shuffle, but you could appreciate what he was doing because he was hitting at like a 320 average, stealing almost two bases a game. So he was he was amazing to watch. That's that that's the kind of that's the baseball I miss. I look. I, I'll, I'll never blame the race for trying to uh, look for the next market inefficiency and and, and 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 try to squeeze wins where there aren't any. That's that's look. That's the game, right? Get as many wins as possible. If even if it's not you know seven game seven inning uh, starts by by your by, by your pitchers, but. I do miss that component. I do miss that that thrillingness of a guy who can slap the, the 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 ball the other way, steal like you said, and get himself to third with his wheels. I I, I love that. I, I miss that type of, of 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 game. And when you look at what's coming up from the race system, the Taylor Walls, the the Vidal Bruhans, the Wander Franco, the Xavier Edwards, the Greg Jones. I mean, the list of those type of players who are also switch hitters. Uh, it, it it just speaks uh, that I'm really excited about. That's the kind of baseball that I miss, and I think Kevin, you you also like the dynamics of 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 hit and run and and, and base stealing. Uh, I think you can you you also miss that too. Look, That's my true. favorite my favorite guys to watch were B.J. Upton and Carl Crawford. I, I love the speed demons, the the athleticism component. Look, home runs are great, but I also like guys that can steal six bases in a game. That that also makes it a fun component as well. Uh, last thing here, because I know we're we're going a little bit long, and Connor, it feels like we've just been interviewing you, but you've been a as Ulysses would say, a treasure trove of content and information here. Uh, Josh Lowe, do you think he'll be a player? Will he be you know anybody in in the big leagues? I mean, I know that. Strikeouts have been a concern, and I was looking up his numbers at Bowling Green, and he struck out quite a bit. Now, maybe he's cut that down a little bit and tapped more into his power, but anything you saw from him while he was, you know, I guess a 19-year-old in, in Bowling Green? He he was very uh, up and down when he was here, but that was more, it was his first year in pro ball. Uh, so the long season kind of got to him, but you could see the flashes of power potential, great fielding, decent arm, and uh good on base skills. He kind of got lost because he was here with his brother at the time, Nate. Mm. So Nate was kind of shooting up through the ranks and Josh was here, but Josh looked amazing in the second half. And I got to see him in double a in 2019. We went down and saw a biscuits game and he looked great there. So I would say he has a a very good chance to be a a corner outfielder because I would probably project Bruhan to end up being a center fielder more than an infielder at this point. With low, uh, what about the the yeah the range and and the arm? Uh, you know, uh, how how did you see that with him? I know again, a couple years ago, and and might not be the same development that he's had. But what you feel about the 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 defensive component from low? He has good range. He uh, usually gets really quick jumps and he's quick on his feet. He has some plus speed for sure. Uh, but the arm, he didn't really get to show it off a lot because he was playing center in a field that plays plays in center bigger than it actually is just based off the caroms on the wall. So it was more trying to get it into the cutoff man as quick as possible than uh, trying to throw someone out at a base. Gotcha. Interesting. Oh, great stuff. Uh, Connor, again, join us anytime. Heck, we might have to have you on the podcast, the traditional podcast as well, to talk about 
the uh, minor league and bowling green experience. Very good stuff from that perspective. Uh, also want to thank Chase, Chris, and Stefan who were uh, on with us briefly. Um, Ulysses, anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, real quickly, uh, Chase, I think what you meant to to tell us about was uh, Taylor Walls is being activated from the 10-day IL. I don't know who is going to be sent down. It hasn't been made of official yet as of yet. I haven't seen anything uh, pass through. Patino? I mean, they did send him down. So They did send Patino down for Walls then. It's official yeah. now? Yeah. Well, I, I know that um, Topkin tweeted out that uh, they sent down Patino. So I assume that that's kind of a swap of one for one. Okay, with- good. Because I saw the other way. I saw that uh, uh, Walls has been activated. Okay, so it's going to be a Walls for Patino then, Chase. There you go. That That's your answer today. Well, yeah, Ulysses, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, we mentioned Patino. Clunker. We had two clunkers in a row. Woof. On, that uh, was ugly. On Wednesday and the one on Friday. Man, oh, man, that was a disaster. It was a disaster, yeah. Uh, those are the kind of games that you're like, okay, babe, I guess we're going to turn on the TV and watch the movie because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not watching a 10-1 game, a 10-0 game. Uh, yeah, I'm not. that's not my Friday night. Like, that's, uh, New relief uh, pitcher Brett Phillips. Hey, he provided some entertainment at least. See, just like we tweeted out, uh, uh, you know, mercy rule. Look, the yeah. guy, he is, I love that he went extra, like I said. I love it. I love that he just squeezed out the moment and made a parody out of it because that's what it is. It's a parody. So, like, if we're all just laughing away, then maybe it shouldn't be the way that we play the game and just call it. Look, yeah. Cass, are you ready to call it? Yeah. Okay. Well, you get, you, you're left with four more, you know, mercy just rules for their season the or whatever field. just walk off the field yeah again. although i love the fact that brett phillips threw a 94 fastball and then he like threw a he's been through it was on like 48 i mean it was slow pitch softball at that point it was just yeah. it, it was absurd and uh, there was a little bit of a time there where it was like man are, are the rays gonna get uh, dallas Braden here is is alec manoa really gonna pull this thing off i yep. mean guy oh man he could be i'm telling you the the blue jays they're they're Look. coming heels with with George Springer back and you get Manoa continue it's like that like his night his fastball I know it wasn't quite as uh fast velocity wise as Patino Patino throwing 97 96 Manoa 94 but when it comes from a six foot six 260 pound frame like that ball explodes and moves like it had it had more bite seemingly on it than than Patino's among not to mention his his slider. I mean, when you have uh, Francisco Mejia swinging at a ball that hits him in the foot, you know you've got something working with that. So I'm Kevin, just at their best, and the Red Sox keep winning. It's crazy. It's 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 insane. The Red Sox keep winning. I I, I keep saying this, and maybe that, this is my problem, but I still don't believe in their pitching. But uh, and I think they're going to topple down. It's getting late though. I'm getting nervous a little bit. But uh, look, when you look at the Blue Jays. Like top to bottom, at their best. What is at their best? Ryu, Pearson, uh, you Robbie Ray, Manoa. Yeah, and but it's their the offense line- that's carrying. And then that lineup. Really and have- then that lineup. I mean, that lineup is thick. It, 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 it's incredible. Like one through six, you've got you've got problems there. So I mean, one through seven, one through eight, maybe. I mean, I mean, wasn't Guriel batting eighth? I think and yeah, seven. So. I mean, you look at it and you look at their numbers. I think they're second in all of baseball and OPS and like have the low, the, the sixth lowest strikeout rate, not to mention they're, they're way up there in home runs. So they hit, a lot, they hit a lot of extra base hits and they don't strike out. So that certainly is, uh, and they just added Corey Dickerson too, which should yep. you know, even provide more depth and balance in that lineup. They needed another lefty bat and they, 
they got that. So, and I looked at it real quickly here and then we'll, we'll kind of sign off. Um, you look at trying to find the standings one second. So I look at the standings and it's, it's basically, so the Rays are now four and a half back of Boston. Toronto is eight and a half back. So four back of, of the Rays. So it's the Rays are literally smack dab in the middle there, but you look at it, Boston, they are 25 and 17 against teams better than 500. The Rays are 24 and 27 against teams better than 500. So uh, Boston is doing damage, doing good against good teams. Tampa Bay, not so much, not to mention the, the extra inning woes that they've had and, and some of the pitching duds that they've had as well, which is a concern. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think what you got to take into account is uh, the schedule, right? The Rays do kind of get a, a weaker schedule their, their last six weeks or so of the season. So that should be uh, helpful. And the Red Sox have had a weaker schedule. So they've actually done what the Rays need to do in the end. They've, they've done their job. They've, they've killed off the, 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 good, the good teams, like you said. But the, the, the schedule has been weaker on the Red Sox side. So you have to hope that moving forward the Rays can pick up those extra inning victories. And, and it's not so, so blatantly. I think that right now they're, what, 3-8 and eight in extra innings? It's, it's been pretty yeah. difficult. And I think they have the most walk-off losses in baseball right now, Yeah. Too. Yeah. On that note, hopefully things will turn around. I think it's Shane McClanahan going up against Ross Stripling should be a pretty, I mean, even kill matchup from the pitching side of things. Uh, again, Connor, thank you so much for the time and, and yeah. feel free to join us again anytime. And uh, Ulysses, did uh, did Venezuela win the, the basketball game or did they lose? No, unfortunately, it was the semifinals to get to the uh, Olympic Games against uh, Slovenia. They did not. They had a great first half. It was uh, by four points the first half, but then. Uh, Donkic uh, just became, uh, you know, basically an NBA MVP. So now, unfortunately, they lost. But it was a good first half, at least. That was good. There we go. So is is basketball the number three sport in Venezuela behind baseball and soccer? It's it's in in results. It honestly it should be <laughs> number one or number two. We're we're ranked number twenty in the world. Um, so, so that's pretty good. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they've gone to Olympic games. They went to, uh, the, the Olympic finals in 92 against the dream team. So, uh, no, they've had really good results. Um, number 20 in the world. Uh, but you know, just didn't have it today, I guess. Okay. Who's the, who's the most well-known Venezuelan basketball player that you can e- think ever or like e- right now, right ever. now would be a, uh, Carrera. Oh, ever. I mean, Gravis Vasquez was was really good at his peak. Uh, he was really good, and I, I believe that he was a star in Maryland. I think Maryland was Gravis Vasquez, right? You remember that? Yeah. No, he was a stud. I mean, he yeah. was like one of, if not the best point guard in the country. At yeah. Least. And I think he had a he had a couple stints in the NBA too. I think he played with uh, the Grizzlies, maybe or the Hornets. Uh, for a, a, a good while, like a good four or five years. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good to hear. But as far as like popularity in the country, is basketball number three behind? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Baseball first, then soccer, and then and then basketball. But honestly, basketball gets better results than soccer. But we we love our soccer. So. <laughs> All right. There we go. We got to talk more basketball then. How about yeah. That? Very good. Well, again, Connor, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll be back here next week, and uh, we'll have the podcast. Uh, we'll we'll be taking. Uh, Monday off, but we'll be back on Tuesday. So thanks again, Connor, and uh, and don't be a stranger, okay? Yeah, all right. I'm I'm always free. Awesome, awesome, awesome. good. All right, see you guys later. Bye. Have a good one. Bye bye. Bye.